0: Thank you to our Worship Arts participants who lead us in just joyful worship every Sunday. Welcome, people of God. Let our light shine this morning. Ten minutes ago, it was pouring down rain, and the light has come now. You see the lights. It should be a a sort of symbolism for our own lives. Sometimes in the midst of it, it could be ten minutes, it might be 15, maybe 20, but it feels like the rains are just pouring down on our lives, and they hurt and we're struggling, and then all of a sudden, the heavens open, and we smile, and God's blessings rain down on us. People of God, welcome in this space. Holy Spirit, welcome in this space. We pray, O God, that our own lights, the light that you give us, the light that dwells within us, that this light would shine brightly, so brilliantly, that God's unconditional love would show that our lives would be actions of love and that your spirit would grace us always in Jesus name. Amen. Say, Aunt Esther, are you going to help us get out of here? They're checking it out upstairs. Fred Sanford, I'm glad my sister isn't here to see this and see the awful stain you put on our family. (laughs) I didn't put no stain on your family. Your family was stained when I met (laughs) y'all. Talk about your family? Every time a baby was born, they had that ugly stain on them. That, <laughs> that ugly stain. Even Ajax couldn't do nothing but the stain <laughs> How dare you say something like that about my family? Why? Now, I'm sorry if your detention has inconvenienced you, gentlemen, but we had to check out your story. And you've been exonerated. Hey, beautiful. Say, <laughs> so, can we get out of here now, Lieutenant? That's right. Open up the gate and let him go. Wait a minute. Hold it. What? <laughs> Don't I got something to say to him. Well, can't you say it to him out on the street? These heathens ain't going to stand still and listen to this. Isaiah chapter 42, verse (laughs) 9 (laughs) to (laughs) 7. Ugly stain, says Fred Stanford. I have heard some blasphemous things in my life. People of God, I've heard. People have told me that Jesus isn't the son, the child of God. I heard from another person that God is dead. But I never have heard in my life the most preposterous claim than the fallacy that there exists a stain that even Ajax cannot handle. As my mother would say, the devil is a liar. Now, I remember Safford and Son. Maybe not in the 70s like some of y'all, but I remember Safford and Son. Oh, come on now. Come on now. (laughs) If there was any time period, if you know me, if there's any time period I wish I lived in, it would have been the 70s. Oh, but I remember watching it with my grandfather. And I'm telling you, he did not speak much English, but he laughed all the way through it. He did watch a few episodes of the Spanish-dubbed episodes, um, but they weren't as funny for some reason, Um, so we watched the English ones. But you all know Sanford and Son, and if you don't, go on YouTube, Nick at Night, and watch some episodes. After the passing of his wife, friend Sanford, tries to maintain good relations with his sister-in-law, Aunt Esther. Now, we all have an Aunt Esther in our family, do we not? Remember that Aunt Esther has a certain religious piety, while Fred does not. He has much more brute honesty, if you will. Ugly stain on the family, as he says. And Esther and Fred, they fight and they bicker. But if you watch the show through it all, they stay in relationship with one another. Why? For the sake of the family. Sanford and Son is a story about family relationships, and there's another story people have got about family relationships, and that's the book of Ruth. This whole month, we're going to be going through it, and I hope you're ready for it. Now, I'm not sure about yours, but in many families, in societies at large, there are stories and actions that people are proud of. Actions, like our own choir directors who are going out and risking their own lives to help save a woman and her dog. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Actions, people doing good in the world, in our own community and beyond. And also, people of God, there are actions that people aren't so proud of. Just this week, the police chief for the McKinney, Texas, Police Department called the actions of one of its officers indefensible. After responding to a disturbance at a teen's pool party, the officer slammed a 15-year-old girl to the ground and drew a weapon on the kids. Now, I saw the video, and I was heavily disturbed. Coming out of church, I was angry. I don't get angry, and yet I was angry. But it's not my opinion the police chief said 11 officers responded with professionalism. They acted appropriately, but one did not. And that officer this week apologized through a lawyer and resigned, all because of his actions. Oh, speaking of shameful stories, in today's scripture, there's another shameful story. And I hope you know it. I hope you do. But I'm going to tell you, even if you don't. Today's scripture, Ruth is still being referred to as a Moabite. Now, you recall Moabite, right? Reverend Troy told us a little bit about the Moabites last week. If you do not recall, this Moabite reference is much more than a shout-out to her ethnicity, You know, when you hear on the radio, uh, or people that are at parties, and they're like, oh, we're all my Mexicans, all the Mexicanos, Raza, yes. But when you say Moabites, no one's cheering people of God. When you say Moabite, people aren't happy about that people of God. Being called a Moabite means people see an ugly stain on you, a stain so ugly, nothing can fix it. Now, you might recall, if you read your Bibles in Genesis 19, after the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, some of us are familiar with it, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which has nothing to do, by the way, with same-gender-loving people, but the story after the people of Sodom are judged for their lack of hospitality, for their disregard for the poor, Lot and his family flee the coming destruction. Now... As they're leaving and running away, Lot's wife, poor thing, looks back and unfortunately she ends up dying. She's turned into a pillar of salt. I'm not exactly sure that the punishment fits the crime, but it's not my story. It's the Bible story. Now, Lot's wife dies when she looks back, but Lot and his daughters, they make it away. They're so lucky that they get to find a nearby cave and they take refuge in it. And as luck would have it, somehow in this cave, there are just liquor and liquor and wine and wine, and so much so that Lot drinks it all, and he gets so inebriated, he passes out, and the story says in Genesis 19, in your Bibles, read it when you get home, I promise you it's there. He gets drunk, passes out, and Lot's daughters decide that if they ever meet another person again, they do not know. If they ever will have children again, they do not know. And so they decide in Genesis 19 to actually sleep with their father. Yeah. I see Irene's face. I see some of your faces over here. Absolutely. You're like, what? That's in the Bible? Oh, there's a lot more of that in the Bible. If you only read it, people of God. But they have sex with their father. Now, if you think that's incredulous, there's a reason why the story is there. Lot's daughters end up having kids, and their children are said to be the ancestors of the Moabites, the enemies of Abraham's people. You see, this is a story. It's a dig against the Moabites. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, we, we had all sorts of your mama jokes. You remember those? Your mama so this, your mama so that, your mama so skinny, your mama so ugly, your mama so fat. I mean, you name it, it was everything. And yet this story is exactly that. Your mama is so incestuous that she's a Moabite. That would be how it is back when the uh, story was written. It's an ethnic slur against the Moabites saying that their whole culture was born out of incest. Now, these enemies, these Moabites, people who hear or read the story when they hear these words they'll look at people like Ruth and they'll say oh she's the most vile kind of humanity disgusting in every sense of the word one commentator said the word Moabite means someone who is not supposed to be included in the family And this supposed vile woman from this disgusting sect of humanity, she decides in the story not to go back to Moab. You remember this from last week? She decides not to return to Moab after her partner dies. She could have, and in all reality, she really should have. That would have been the safest thing for her to do. But Ruth isn't journeying in this life for the safest route. Ruth isn't journeying and living her life just to be secure. Ruth is committing herself to Naomi, her in-laws of all people. I can hear Fred Sanford now, you big dummy. We should all realize how tough this situation is, though, for Ruth, for Naomi, for women, In a world where a woman's honor is linked to male relatives, where a woman's value is measured by the children that they actually produce. For these two women who have no husband, no children left alive, their marginalized status is only heightened to a greater extent. Others in their position, now mind you, they're usually forced into demeaning work, degrading work, dehumanizing work. Slave labor, sex work, anything to feed themselves and to continue to live in this world. They would have to subject themselves to situations where they might be taken advantage of, harmed by others, bodies actually violated and assaulted by men in the world. And so for Ruth to stand by Naomi and commit to helping them both redeem and find some value, At a time in their lives when everything around them is telling them, you have no value. Ruth doesn't just stand, though. She actively begins to move and take action. She goes to the fields, the story says, and she picks up whatever grains the harvesters left behind. Now, according to the law, farm workers were required to leave the corners of the fields left unpicked, unharvested, so the poor the widowed, those who didn't have anything, they could come and at least have some form of sustenance for themselves and their families. Now that was the law, but as many of us know, having a good law doesn't mean we have a just implementation of the law. Laws are meant to protect, and sometimes they do just the opposite, but that's another sermon. Maybe Reverend Vicki can preach on that next week. Ruth exercises her agency in ways that are traditionally reserved for men's roles. Oh, help us, Jesus. She leaves the home, you know? Leaves. Seeks her own fortune. Says, I'm going to exercise my own agency. And she encounters hardships, and she deals with them. In the story, it even says she has water drawn for her, as we see today. Water drawn for her. This is not reserved for women. This is for men. And yet, here's Ruth saying... I'm going to do it. She takes action. Sometimes, people of God, whether you're marginalized, whether you feel like you have no value, when society treats you like you're the scum of the earth, you still have to stand up and take action. You will notice in the story that God is mentioned maybe once, maybe twice throughout the whole book of Ruth god lord once twice and commentators notes god really has no active role in this text because it's a story about family relationships remember but they say where is god and i say i see god even though god is not taking an active role even god is not taking direct action it's the people of god who are taking direct action. It's people who are allowing God to work in them to do the action. So many times we wait on God. God is waiting on us. Time to move on and take some action in this world and stand up for ourselves and for the goodness in humanity. Ruth takes charge of making sure that she has a life that affirms who God tells her she is. Yes, there was a story about a Moabite once. And now she's going to reinvent this story. She's going to show what a true Moabite is. And a Moabite has been created by God. A human being is created by God. And so here we are living our lives with goodness, purpose, and sacred value. Later on in the gospel, or not gospel, the um, um, book of Ruth, Boaz finds favor, looks upon Ruth with favor. You see it in your scriptures. And you begin to see, Ruth says to herself, how is it that I have found favor? Me, a foreigner, a migrant worker, a widow, someone with no children. How is it that I can find favor before this Boaz? And people, God, I wonder. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. How many of us find ourselves in similar situations? When we think it's the end, when we think God has told us it's all over, when we think there is nothing more for us to do in this world, and yet somehow, some way, when the rains have cleared and the sun just shines the sun's face upon us, then we sense and we know, who am I that God has found favor upon me? Thank goodness for the blessings of God that sometimes come when we least expect them, and I pray and I hope that you are still expecting good and miracles to come in your life. There's another aspect of this story. Reverend Troy talked about it uh, uh, last week. How there were—we uh, talked about the order of the books. Some uh, some folks have it at the at the beginning. Some folks have it at the end, depending on the actual trajectory, the journey of uh, 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 how you want to tell the story. But The way I look at it, can I tell my opinion? Is that okay? I got the mic, right? The Moabites, these folks who are said to be born from vile circumstances, this incestuous relationship, right? The scripture says this. The scriptures, the book says this. The Moabites are evil. We didn't read it today, but there are other texts in Deuteronomy that says, you do not allow a Moabite to come into the house of God. You don't do it. And so the scripture says this, and then here comes the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth says, well, you heard this, right? Well, now we're going to tell you this. You see, sometimes we have to follow scripture's example. And sometimes one thing in the scripture that may not feel good, right, it's actually wrong. And you can actually say that. I don't agree with this scripture. And when you begin to say that, you begin to exercise your own agency, right? You begin to exercise the God, the spirit that is actually within you. And you begin to rethink and reimagine what a loving God is actually all about. Scripture does it. Scripture rethinks Scripture reimagines the people of God said, you know what? It was like this. Yeah, but that doesn't affirm humanity. Maybe it's time for a new experience. And so there are us here. Maybe it's time we have a new experience. You see, actions are not just physical things, right? It's also a mental thing. Sometimes an action is just having a new thought about who you are in God's eyes. Sometimes an action is You know, not thinking that you're scum of the earth, right? Sometimes an action is not thinking that you're not a person of sacred value. Sometimes the action is, you know what? Regardless of what those other churches said, regardless of what my past experiences told me, regardless of what I experienced or what I'm experiencing now, I choose to believe. I choose to live a life where God affirms and celebrates who I am at all times and in all places. Will you do it? Will you do it? You see, for some of us, it's a risky adventure, right? Jim Collins talked about that. He talked about some people, uh, uh, they're risk-averse. And for some of us, we might think it's, risk, uh, it's a risky thing because we're afraid of this hell that people talk about, right? Right? Well, what if they are right? What if God does something bad to me? And yet, you'll never know. And so, do you want to continue living a life of hell? Or do you want to take action and actually live out this kingdom of God, this heaven, this goodness that is already inside of you? It indeed can happen, but we have to do it. And I truly believe, just like Jim Collins said, it's not about the risk. We're not scared of the risk. It's because we can't see what's right in front of us. It's a blank slate. It's your life to live. You have to live it. But praise God, God will always be with you if you will only take step after step. Take the paintbrush and start painting your own life and take responsibility for who you are and who you want to be. People have already been doing that. Right? We see that in laws changing. Right, We're going to celebrate a lot of good news for humanity in the next couple of months. And that's all great and that's all good. But it's not all about marriage. It's not all about laws. It's about living a life that is healthy and whole. A life that you want and a life that you actually need. Maybe it's time we stop living somebody else's life. And let's live the life that God has given us reach out like Ruth, branch out, paint, walk, do what you've always wanted to do, and don't be scared, don't be scared at all. People of God, don't be scared, don't be scared at all, just let your light shine, as the choir is saying. Let your light shine, and if you do that, God's face will shine brilliantly upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Vielen